Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. Today I have an unbelievably special guest on, a gentleman by the name of Larry Broughton. And you just, this guy is amazing. He's a friend of mine and you're going to be blown away by him and his story. So please do me a favor and share this out right now. Just click that share button and share it out and stay with us. I'll be bringing Larry Broughton on in, in just a second. And we're back. Let me bring Larry on. Larry, welcome to the show, man. Hello, my friend. It's so good to see you. It's great to have you man. on, man. I've been looking forward to this. I, I honestly, I just moved to Dallas, Texas, as we were talking about. <laughs> show off. And I, I have, I have, I have boxes all around me and my green screen back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. But I'm like, and I honestly, I thought, why did I, why did I let that happen? Like book, book, uh, 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 but, but hey, history, dude. you're, you're in, you're in history now. Exactly. The very first, very first episode from Dallas, Texas. When they're talking about this 50 years from now, everyone's going to remember Larry doing the first show in, in Dallas. I'm, <laughs> That is an honor. Oh, We've been yeah. trying to do this for a while, my friend. A while. I wow. Know, Life man. gets in the way sometimes, though, it right? Does. What a it whirlwind. Does. It's great to see you. Good to see you too, man. Thank so, you. so Larry, I've done, um, I don't know, 500 or so episodes. Um, and I started this in, from a selfish point of, of view. Mm -hmm. Hey, we got Bob Donnell and Jose mm. Garza with us and Sandy Lewis. We got wow. a bunch of great Rock good stars. People. Good people. So, you know, I was stuck in life about four and a half years ago. And, yeah. and I thought, you know, I, I think that if I just listen to other people tell their story about how they got through the crap, eventually I'll figure it out. And I don't know if I've figured it out, but life is much better today. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear your story. Cause I know you've, you've been through it, man. Dude, um, isn't it amazing when you just listen instead yeah. of run your freaking trap where you can learn <laughs> so many people think that, you know, if I just talk a lot, then I'm going to be moving up the ladder, you know, right. about just listening, ask, you know, I've got a former, um, uh, a uh, mentor now named Bob Beal. And he used to say, if you want profound answer, yeah, if you want profound answers, you need to ask profound questions. Right. That implies that you're listening, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, man, people don't, they just don't, they don't get that. Uh, I, I've watched a lot of other people do interviews and I'm like, mm -hmm. would you shut up and let your guests talk? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so Larry, close. talk, yeah. talk about, start with where you were born and raised. Talk about that. Well, uh, I was born in a little town called Olean, New York, uh, which is, I don't know, 80 miles due south of Buffalo, kind of a bucolic Mayberry RFD town. I was actually grew up in a little village next to Olean called Weston's Mills, 
on a little street called Promised Land Road. Wow. How's that paint a picture for you? <laughs> That's pretty cool. But it's kind of um, uh, apple orchards, cows, dairy farms, that kind of uh, of a setting. I but, suspect you know, that Beaver Cleaver was your next door neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like that at some times. But honestly, like any... Um, facade you pull back the curtain like your green screen behind you and there's boxes and piles of garbage and everything else right, right. and yeah. so i had a bunch of that in my life as well so yeah. I, I wouldn't say that um it was all sunshine lollipops and rainbows yeah. but i i haven't had it any worse than anybody else but you know it certainly had its ups and downs yeah yeah. So, so from, from the, and is that where you went to high school? Went to high school, a town called Portville. Um, it was a, one of those central schools where it was K through 12. So the kids that you started in kindergarten with, if you made it to graduation, um, then you most likely knew those kids for your entire life. Yeah. Um, and that was a great setting to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, uh, I wasn't a popular kid in school until I got you know, to my senior year, probably, I kind of started breaking out of my shell at that point. I'm a introvert and painfully shy, believe it or not. And I know you and I have seen each other for years and I speak on stages and all that kind of stuff, but it takes a lot of me getting out of my shell to do those, those types of things. Um, because I know that I've got a message to, to send out to the world. And so sometimes you get out of your comfort zone to do that. Yeah. yeah so I went to, um, uh, went to high school there. Um, my twin brother, who's been on your show, uh, and I and a friend of ours moved out of, you know, we got an apartment when we were 17 years old. We were still high school seniors and got an apartment, moved out of our folks' house. Um, I was a manager at a McDonald's. My Barry, who was on the show, was a produce manager at a local grocery store. And we did that for a couple of years while we were taking and teaching martial arts. And then... Um, Barry and I were here at a national martial arts tournament in San Jose, California, where I'm based now. Um, I'm in Orange County, but we've yeah. gone to a, a tournament in um, in San Jose. And I started hearing rumors that the Army was going to be sponsoring the first Taekwondo team um, for uh, the Olympics in 1984. And uh, one of our students had just enlisted into the military and said, hey, uh, he hadn't gone in yet, but he went down and, you know, took the oath and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And he started talking about, hey, you might want to go down there and, and talk to these guys. So I did. And I ended the, up, to uh, the Army recruiters. Went to the Army recruiters. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. You know how to you know how to tell when an Army recruiter is lying? Uh-oh. His <laughs> lips are moving? He's <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have an uncle that was an army recruiter. So yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, that was a great experience though. It was it, it really was. Well, yeah, it got me out of um the small town that I was in. I was basically on the run from some things, you know, just didn't want to be there any longer. Didn't know really how to do it, how to get out of there. Um, but the army provided that. And um, after I took the ASVAB test exam to get in, which is the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, um, I scored so high on the thing, um, the recruiter said, you can do whatever you want in the Army. Um, now, this is a bit shocking because I barely graduated high school. Um, I'm dyslexic, as it turns out. 
And I was one of those guys that when you when I took the SAT, swear to God, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Let lightning come out of the sky right now and strike me dead if I'm lying on, on this. Uh, when I was taking the SATs, I would just make designs by filling in the dots. Because <laughs> I knew I would do better doing that than actually trying to read the questions and answer. Oh, my God. And I don't remember what the score was on my SAT, <laughs> but it was to the point where it was embarrassing, you know. Um, it oh, might have been a 504 or something stupid like that. I don't know. I should go back and look one day. And so when the recruiter came in and said, dude, you scored so high. And he didn't say, dude. I mean, I'm in California. He said, son, you scored so high in this, you can do whatever you want in the Army. In fact, you can even try out for special forces. And I said, what? Are you serious? And he said, I know. I saw your high school transcripts. I can't believe it either, but it's true. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I didn't know what the Green Beret, Green Berets were at the time, so he explained to me what that was, and so I said, "That sounds pretty cool. Let me try out for that." Now, the downside, Ken, was in my contract, my enlistment contract. If I didn't make it through any of the schools that led up to the Special Forces training, or if I failed out of the Special Forces training, I went up for what was called worldwide assignment. And so, if they needed a truck driver in Alaska, or a cook in Louisiana. That's what I was going to end up going to do. Whatever the military, whatever the army needed, that's wow. where I was going to go. So that was pretty good motivation to, uh, <laughs> wow, to, to persevere. Wow, yeah. yeah. By yeah. the way, Craig Doswald is on here. We, oh, awesome. We, we gotta we gotta make sure that we say hi to him. And hello, and Craig. He won't listen to me, but maybe he will. You, Craig, share this out. <laughs> Craig, share this out. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so you, where did you go? Like you took this test, you scored mm -hmm. super high yeah. and you're like, I'm going to go into special forces. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what, well, what the hell does that mean? Right. That's probably yeah. the, the, the question. Right. Um, when I was going through and you know, I was, this was years ago. He, Craig says, how do I do that? I, I Did you see me shaking my head? I'm yes, just I like... see you shaking your head. We love Craig. I love Craig. Craig. Aw. Um, um, so you go through, uh, it's, it's pretty extensive training. Most of it is at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty damn tough uh, to get through there. I mean, it's one of the most elite units in the military. And yeah. so, you know, they don't call it average forces was our <laughs> running joke. Call it special forces. Right. So, yeah, so I went from there and I was assigned to 10th Special Forces Group. The nickname was the Originals. It was the first Special Forces Group wow. um, ever launched. And um, it was an, an honor to be there. I just traveled around the world with them for several years. And um, it really opened up my eyes, Ken, on how powerful a small team is who believe in the same thing, who have the mm -hmm. same vision, mm -hmm. who know what their strengths are and they respect the strengths of the other team members. Yeah. And the way I oftentimes describe this, imagine if you were in a boardroom with 12 type A, highly intelligent alpha males and you're <laughs> trying to make a decision. What would that look like? <laughs> Pandemonium, probably, right? I can't fist, even fist imagine. Fights, right? I can't imagine. But when you believe in the same thing and you know what your mission is and you're willing to subordinate your own personal agenda mm. for the success of the mission, great things happen. Wow. Right? So it's a great lesson there, I think, for people who are entrepreneurs or leaders or high achievers. 
um, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from that. You know, go back to let, let, let's go back to special for is it special forces boot camp? It's boot camp, then special forces training, right? No, no, it's special forces. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, it's um, basic training or boot camp. Okay, you go to your um, military occupational specialty training. So if you want to be a radio operator, you go do that. If you're going to be okay. an engineer, you go do that. Yeah. If you're going to be a medic, you go through that training. Okay. Um, you have to go through airborne school. So you have to learn how to become a paratrooper and jump out of airplanes. That um, does not sound like fun. Just oh. for the <laughs> I, could, I could share a couple of stories with you about malfunctions I had. Oh, um, dear near Lord. death experiences uh, on that. And then um, nowadays you go through what's called SEER training, um, survival, escape, resistance, and evasion training. You Jeez. do a, um, then you go. Um, the special forces course is divided up into a bunch of phases as well, but you get your language training. So wow. it's, it's a so, pretty long, exhaustive process. Do they, like, if you get a hangnail or the sniffles, do they coddle you? I'm just kidding. I'm they just hug you. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> no, you. I, I think the gen, the general philosophy is if the bone is not protruding through the skin or you're not bleeding, you know, you t you take an ibuprofen, sip of water, and move out. That's generally and keep going. That, keep going. That, that's amazing. Actually, I I have so much respect, and I do want to say thank you for your service. I'm sure mm -hmm. I've said that thank before. You. Yeah. Um. But I I absolutely I have so much respect for that man. So so you started traveling the world. Yeah. Where did you go? Oh, Denmark, Europe, um, Middle East, Central America. Wow. You know, just all over. Yeah. Having fun. You know, I, I was in two different special forces group. I was in both 10th group. And then um, after active duty, I went into 12th group, uh, special forces group. Wow. Yeah, so it was a lot of, a lot of fun. And the relationships that you build there just last a lifetime. You know, I've got one friend in particular that I was on both active duty and in the reserves with, and uh, he was the best man in my wedding when I was married. And you know, we may go, we don't like this, but we may go a couple of years without talking. I tend to communicate with his wife more than, than, than him. But when we get together, when we talk, it's like no time has passed, Yeah. you know, because you, you know, you've got these shared experiences. Right. Um, and I know that sometimes I know a lot of significant others, partners, wives, girlfriends are oftentimes I wouldn't say jealous, but they don't understand that kind of relationship because oftentimes those relationships are deeper than even the people that you're married with, right. married to, you know, um, you go um, through, you go through some serious shit together. I mean, like, well, yeah, think about just the team building exercises that you do in yeah. the corporate arena. Like people go do ropes courses or those types of things. Well, why do you do that? So there's a shared experience outside the office, Yeah, you know, where you're, you're, you're tested together. Yeah. So it, it makes a whole lot of sense. So, yeah. so you, you, um, along the way, did you, did you meet a significant other during that period of time? No. Well, I, I mean, I dated while I was in, but you're, yeah. but no, I mean, I was in my early twenties and yeah. you know, just having fun, um, yeah. for, for the most part. No, I, after I got off of active duty, well, honestly, um, I remember there was a couple of times thinking about, you know, what was going on around the world. 
and seeing the knuckleheads that were running some of these countries, you, know, you got to remember this is in the eighties. Right. Um, and, uh, and you think if these knuckleheads can run a country, I can run a country. How hard can it be? Right. <laughs> Sound like an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How hard can it be? Hold uh, my beer. Watch this. Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought maybe I can make a bigger impact on the world. If I got out, worked in the state department, maybe ran for political office, whatever. Um, I'd realized at this point, after all the training that I had done and, and, and I did really well in most every school that I, that I went to, um, that um, I started having confidence around my academic life mm. for once. Instead of growing up thinking, you know, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, and having parents tell you that. Here's a quick story I've shared from the stage before, Ken. Maybe you've heard this before, but some of your listeners may not have. You know when you are in eighth grade and you're getting ready to go into high school and you go meet with a guidance counselor so yeah. that they can plan your academic yeah. path, yeah. you know? I remember going sitting down across the table from this woman. I won't say her name, um, but um, she said, well, what do you want to be when you grow up, honey? And I said, a veterinarian. Now, why did I say a veterinarian? Because I loved animals. Um, my twin brother and I were among the first people. We were both Boy Scouts and Eagle Scouts, and we were the, among the first in the country to get the veterinarian merit badge. Right. Wow. And I loved So you had to go meet and work in a vet's office for a short period of time. Wow. I loved the surgeries and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that had an impact on my brother's choice to go into the medical field, yeah. right? Become an orthopedic surgeon and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and so I went in and said, I want to be a veterinarian. And she, she literally laughed and she goes, honey, you're not smart enough to be a veterinarian. But if you want to work around animals, we can get you into FFA, oh Future Farmers God. of America. And you can work on a farm. Wow. All right. So when an authority figure tells a, how old are you when you get ready to go into? My daughter's grade? 12 13, and she's 12? in seventh grade. So 13, 14, somewhere. Young there. enough to be impressionable. Sure. What's the message that you walk away with? I'm dumb. I'm dumb. Yeah. You know, wow. because crying out loud, my, all my report cards proved it. I barely, you know, barely am passing my classes. Right. Wow. Um, instead of saying, Hmm, maybe we ought to test this kid and find out what's going on behind the scenes here. Like the military did. Yep. You know, wow. where they actually do an aptitude and IQ test. Right now I get it. This was years ago. They didn't do that kind of thing. Right. But nowadays there are so many tools to identify what people's inherent strengths are from a cognitive perspective. Yeah. Um, that, um, it's. Thank you, Jeff Wolf, for sharing this. Um, it's good to see you, my friend. Well done. Um, yeah, yeah. What, now that is a guy who serves other people, right? You know, he's Constantly the one connecting that, people. I know. He yeah. introduced me to your brother. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> this is like he's selfless, right? He is. Um, well, we can all learn lessons from Jeff. Um, so anyway, so that was um, at that point. Once I realized that person had it wrong. My parents had it wrong. My teachers had it wrong. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of paranoia that creeps into high achievers. You're always looking over your shoulder. Am I good enough? Am I really good enough? Um, and that's what drives some of us. But yeah. I knew I needed to make an imprint in the world. Some people call it a dent in the globe, right? Yeah. And so that's what I have been trying to do ever since. <clears throat> How long were you in the military? For a total of about nine years. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, active duty was about just under four, and then the rest was in the reserves. But we were just as active in the reserves, honestly. Again, think back yeah. what was going on in the world. Yeah. Because I was yeah. in act active duty. My 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 younger brother um, was in the Navy. He was mm -hmm. over over in that had started. He was in the very first naval battle group, the um, on the USS Stennis. Mm -hmm. um and and during desert shield that turned yeah. into desert storm his right. aircraft carriers the first ones to fly the the what do they call them sorties or whatever short yeah yeah shorties um and and so uh, I shorties, remember, I'm sorry shorties yes yeah shorties. i remember that though man yeah. i remember president yeah. bush coming on and I'm I remember exactly where i was when he said we've we've started bombing you know and Me i'm too. like holy yeah. crap um, yeah. And I have a lot of friends. I, I mean, I'm an '80s kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a kid, uh, or yeah. maybe I am still. And that's, You're a kid. That's, that's why we connect. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I. So when you get like my, I remember, and the reason I brought up my brothers, I remember mm -hmm. he he was in for four or six years, and then he got out. Yeah. And and he was like a year as a civilian. He was like, screw this, yeah. I can't. And he went back in and then right. he was like, why did I come back in? This was stupid. And he got back out. <laughs> but the, you know, the, the, when you got out of the military and you're reintegrating back into society, what was that like for you? Like, was it hard for you? Hell. Really? Hell. Well, think about this. I was in what's arguably one of the most elite, not one of the yeah. most elite unit, certainly in the army. Um, yeah. Uh, units in the world where excellence is the standard in everything that you do, right? Yeah. yeah. I get a job as a night auditor at a no-tell motel in San Francisco, living in the ghetto Tenderloin district with team members who were like mediocrity was good enough. I was like, what have I done? Yeah. What have I done? And I had a friend that um, I'd not grown up with, but had known since I was in my early teens who had moved to San Francisco. And I, th this is not an exaggeration. I mean, this is my life is so funny. The first place I lived in San Francisco, it was probably a 300 square foot studio apartment that I shared with three other guys. Oh my God. Okay. Now one of them was rarely there because he had a significant other. Um, but Two of the guys were there, but they slept there at night. And since my job was as a night auditor that I went in at 11 o'clock at night and got off at seven o'clock in the morning, I would there during the day. Wow. Right. And it smelled just like you would think it would smell with four <laughs> stinky guys living in a small little room. Right. My conditions were better in the military than they were there. Oh my God. And I remember going up to the top of the six story building one night and like, like crying. I was on the edge. Like, what have I done? Wow. That leap, that one step could change all of it. But in my head, it was like, knowing my luck, I'd fall and just break my leg and I'd look like an effing <laughs> idiot instead of actually doing the damage I wanted to do. So oh my it was it was really, really rough. And back then, they yeah. didn't have the, v, the the VSOs that they have now, the Veteran Service Organizations, you yeah. know, that, that are helping folks with, with transitions. Um, yeah. But honestly, it was more to do with just the willingness to accept mediocrity in our, in our lives. 
you know, and just there, people were passive participants is the way I kind of describe it in their lives. And it just, I felt like it was going to rub off on me. You know, I just wanted to always take a shower after spending time with these people. Yeah. And so, you know, Jim Rohn has this famous quote that says, you become the average of the five people you hang out with the most. Yeah. Right? And when I heard that decades ago, it really resonated with me. If I'm going to pull out of this tailspin that I'm in, I need to get away. Now I have to be there. This is what's paying my bills, but Darren Hardy shared with me once. Um, he said, listen, Larry, you got to remember, you got five minute people, five month people and five year people in your life. Don't confuse them. So what does he mean by that? So a five minute person might be you pull into your driveway. Your neighbor's really creepy. You say, okily dokie, how do you do? How you doing? Yeah. You don't need to invite them to your child's baptism or to Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. Right. Right. Um, and so that's what I really had to do. I had to get really intentional about putting boundaries up around me for those folks who um, didn't represent who I wanted to be or where I wanted to go in my life. I, I, I would like for you, because I, I, first off, totally agree with all of that. And it took me so way too long to like to to really get it. And, and, and Grant Cardone said to me, he's like, dude, you need to cut that person, that person, that person out of your life. Like, and he's a little intense about it, yeah. but I'm like, but, 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 but that's, you know, family or this, or like, if that's they're not thing. paying your bills and helping you achieve your dreams and they're bringing you down to their level, like, so talk about that, uh, man. I don't think I talk about a lot. get it. They don't. Well, here's it. the thing. Um, I call these folks energy vampires. They suck your lifeblood out of you, right? You leave yeah. them and you feel like, oh, you feel totally drained. Um, yeah. And the hard part is that some of these folks are well-meaning. Okay. Yeah. But I call yeah. them energy vampires. And so what we have to do is we have to exorcise them from our life. I literally, I use this word intentionally, exorcise them. Right. Exorcise, exorcise yeah. them. Right. Because it is that painful to do sometimes. Yes. Right. We have to really get intentional and cut them out of our lives. Now, the sad part is sometimes we're married to these people. Okay. Mm. Now, I am not suggesting divorce. Right. You have to make that decision. Right. right. But you need to get very serious about saying, here's what my boundaries are. Here's what is acceptable and not acceptable to me. Um, and it's going to take a while for people to get this. You're going to have to, there's going to be a lot of staring at the navel, a lot of journaling, you know, pros and cons with certain people, uh, yeah. in, in our lives. And it's going to take a little bit of time, uh, to do it. it it's not going to be easy. I, I wish that it could be easy, but this is where we need to remind ourselves is like, yeah, it will be scary, but you've got people in your lives who want, they think they're doing good by you by saying, Ken, you're just not smart enough to be a veteran. Right. Man. You know, they think they're being kind to you um, or they're saying, hey, stay in the safe waters. Don't go out past the horizon. Don't go back in the woods. But that's where all the adventure is. Right. This is why you need allies in your life more than you need friends and family in yep. your life. You Ugh. need them both for sure. But an ally will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. Say that again, man, for the people in the back. Like, you need to get this part. Yeah. You need to have allies in your life more than you have friends and family in your life when you're trying to reach high achievement. Amen. Right? 
allies will tell you what you need to hear. This is where coaches, mentors, mastermind groups come in. Friends and family will tell you what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear. Yeah. What about the people? And I know you know these people. What mm-hmm. about the people who secretly, um, and it may be an unconscious thing too, but mm-hmm. they the the crabs in the bucket, like they're they're trying to keep you down here on their level. Don't get too big for your britches. Yeah. Glenn Morshower talks about that, right? Like getting too big, like. What about those people, man? Because they exist and they're very, very toxic. We know just by you asking that question, you know what the answer is. And as soon as people hear this, I talk about similar things like this as well. I've heard Glenn talk about this too. What a great guy he is too, right? Yeah. Um, We know what we need to do. When you have that awareness, you know what you need to do. The problem is it's hard to do it. And so we don't do it. We have to do what we're talking about. You've got to get out of that damn bucket. If you are articulate enough, then you can have a you can have a conversation with them, yeah. right? Oh, Jeff just reminded me of one of my favorite mantras. Um, in the army, there's a mantra. Uh, it's actually on a monument uh, at West Point that says to do the hard right over the easy wrong. Okay, mm. um, and yeah, the hard right is to segregate, exercise uh, from these part. The easy wrong is to stay there and let these people do it to you right what i was saying is if you're articulate enough you sit down with these people and say this is what i'm feeling i feel like every time i try to stretch every time i try to step out every time i try to expand that whether it's from love or you're just not aware you're doing i feel like you try to keep me here you know so i want to make you aware of this first because as you say maybe they're not aware of it right 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 and then continue to do it, then you need to take the next step. There's a thing called the accountability dial that I talk about oftentimes. Imagine when you're having these difficult conversations with a loved one or with a team member or an employee, as people call them. Start out like the first conversation is on low. It's just a mention. Hey, you know, I feel like you're doing this to me sometimes. The next one, the heat's turned up a little bit, you know. Hey, now we talked about this before, but I still feel like you're doing this. The next time you have this conversation, you have to, this is like, Ken, like when your wife says to you, honey, we need to talk. It's one of those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Right? Thank God she's never said that. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I would well, break she, out in a sweat. <laughs> as you should, right? But <laughs> right. that's that kind of conversation. Right. The right. next one is you turn up the dial is, I forget what I, what I call it, but basically you're saying, we've talked about this before and the, the tone changes. We've talked about this before. Here's what happens when you do this to me. I'm not going to accept this anymore. And if you continue to do this, whatever the whatever you say is going to you're going to do, you're going to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the next time you do it, if they continue to do it, I'm not a person who just says slice them all out. This I know Grant does. <laughs> get them out. Get them out now. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. But again, because we're married to some of these people, or there are sure. children, or there are siblings. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just think that uh, there there are ways to do it. Now there are some people who are absolutely toxic. Yeah. Who they are, evil might be too <laughs> tough of a word, but they don't want you to succeed. In yeah. fact, they may actually sabotage you. Those people require no explanation. None. You you owe them nothing, as far That's as I'm fine. concerned. Yeah. No matter who they are. No matter who they are. Doesn't matter. No. Yeah. Get no. them out. No. So 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 Larry, you um. 
back to San Francisco and your humongous 300 square foot apartment with two roommates. Place of estate. Yeah. Um, you, you were the night auditor at a no-tell motel, as you put mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're standing on the edge of the building, yeah. you know, contemplating life and, and other things. Where did things go? Because, you know, for everybody watching that doesn't know, you have quite an amazing success story. I mean, now Mm -hmm. you own a bunch of hotels and and you've done incredibly well. But from that moment, though, of the 300 square foot apartment, where did things go? Where was was there a turning point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I've had a few turning points. I need to correct you. I don't. I own a bunch of hotels right right now, but we can get into that uh, oh, okay. in, 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 in a second. But I'm in the hotel industry for sure, and have owned a bunch of hotels. Yeah. Um, so, um, so there are several turning points. Um, I was doing a lot of nefarious stuff, um, abusing prescription drugs. I'll just be honest with you, Ken. You and I know each other, and let's just pretend yeah. that no one else is here. It's you and I talking. Just. Um, so. I was yeah. at a point where I was going through friends' medicine cabinets and stealing Percocet and Vicodin. Um, I was drinking. Um, I was just trying to numb the pain, yeah. you know, um, of yeah. life, you know, uh, of my past. And there's a great quote that says, two things steal your joy. By the way, you, you might know, I'm not the sharp. I'm pretty smart. I've got a pretty high IQ, but I need to remind myself of things through <laughs> mantras, through people who are bolder, brighter, wiser than I am, Right. And so this is why I may throw out a lot of these quotes because this is how I live my life, right? Yeah. But there's a great message that says two things steal your joy, living in the past and comparing yourself to others. Yep. And that's where I was for much of my life. If only I had, you know, and comparing myself to others, right? And getting resentful of people. And so, um, you know, I was doing some 12-step programs, um, I was talking to friends. I was reading a lot of books. Um, and it was sometimes it felt like two steps forward, one step back. Much yeah. of my life is like that. And I'm one of those people. I, I oftentimes don't learn my lesson the first time. <laughs> Usually I've got to get hit around the head and shoulders with a bat yeah. before the message really sinks in for me. <laughs> right. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I've been battered and bruised by life for sure. Yeah. Um, but um when I was, you know, I remember the next day uh, after that kind of rooftop experience, I just started calling, and this is, and there's nothing wrong with this, CHP, California Highway Patrol, police departments, fire departments. I needed something to serve and to feel like I was around some, you know, brothers, you know? Yeah, right. And right. as I was getting called in to do these um, uh, interviews and that, that kind of thing, it's just like, I really, my interest in political science really started to, to climb. And so I thought, well, maybe that's not, I am feeling a little bit better. Maybe I need to pursue this studying of poli sci and work on some political campaigns and really make an interest. Uh, I mean, yeah, so I, I did that. Um, and uh, after being at this no-tell motel for a few months, an investment group came in to purchase the thing with the intention of, turn it into what's now called a boutique hotel. It was one of, considered one of the first boutique hotels in the wow. country. And the idea was that we were going to cater towards traveling bands 
and entertainers. We started out doing comedians and then quickly switched to to bands. Wow. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana, um, Gypsy Gee. Kings, um, Rolling Stones, um, Linda Ronstadt. I mean, a whole spectrum. We're coming to stay at this small, what I now call a motique, which is a boutique motel. Yeah. Um, and uh, I started falling in love with this hotel industry because it offered so it really fueled my interest in business and real estate and marketing and finance and team building. And I thought, wow, maybe this political science thing is not for me because I'd worked on a couple of well, several political campaigns on both sides of the aisle at the time. Yeah. And I realized they're all a bunch of idiots <laughs> um, and I didn't trust any of them. Right. Um, and um, I realized I was going to, have to do something I wasn't very good at at the time. That meant compromise. And I'd realize if I'm going to get into the political arena, particularly living in California, I'm built more like an executive than I am a legislator. Yeah. I can't see myself going to committee meetings all day long. <laughs> that was going to be terrible. But I knew that like, I wasn't going to be able to run for governor and, and win. Right. 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 So this, this uh, hotel thing really kind of piqued my interest. Wow. So once we this, this property was renovated and started really shining, um, I'd realized maybe this is where I want to I want to stay. And so after several years, a bunch of things that happened, I ended up becoming a partner in the hotel company in San Francisco. Wow. We picked up 14 hotels in a 14 year period. And that's where I met my former spouse um, uh, and the mother of my kids. Yeah. And um, yeah. Wow. And um it got to be like kind of the late nineties, Ken. Yeah. And I started realizing that I was not enjoying myself anymore. I was, I was the number two person in this company. Um, I knew I was never going to be the CEO of the organization. You know me. Yeah. I'm not a number two, anything. No, <laughs> and I, I felt know. like I was the way I describe it as I'm a primary leader stuck in a secondary leadership role. Mm. And I was getting resentful. Yeah. I wasn't liking myself. I got to the point where I was acting out, doing stupid stuff again. And um, and so I spoke to my then bride and said, I think we ought to just move to Santa Barbara. We're making enough money. You know, let's kind of semi-retire, figure out what we're going to do. Maybe I'll go to school, you know. Um, maybe we'll start a new company. So moved down to Santa Barbara, opened a, a restaurant and coffee shop, Um and some of my former clients contacted me and said, Hey, uh, we want to buy hotels. Do you want to be a partner with us in this particular hotel we want to buy? I said, yeah. So I launched my own hotel company and that was 21 years ago. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And then we, we, we did pick up a bunch of hotels during that, you know, during the comings and goings of the economy, you know, we've had peaks and valleys in the economy. Sure. Yeah. And I think at our peak, we had over 20 hotels. Wow. Um, and, uh, that we either owned and I say, we, I don't mean my management company, but I mean, different investment entities that we would set sure. up, sure. Um, um, or we did what's called third party management. We operated hotels on behalf of an ownership group. And then, um, it's, it's guess what happened a couple of years ago. Maybe you've not heard pandemic oh, <laughs> that shut down the, that shut down the, uh, not only yeah. the economy, decimated the hospitality industry. Yeah. Wow. So, so you, for, for anybody watching, I can remember for the longest time, 
um, I don't know that I was ever resentful because, you know, I, you know, that I, 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 I've been in, in recovery for a long time, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I remember sitting in those 12 step meetings you talked about, and I'm looking around at these people (laughs) and some of them are driving Rolls Royces and Porsches and, and I went to the, the higher end meetings. <laughs> and, and so I'm it's seeing, so fancy. All, I know, right. And I'm seeing all these people in there, you know, there were the low lives like me <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, 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 but I'm seeing these people and I'm thinking, I want what they have. Like, how did yeah. you get there? Like I'm broke. I can't even get a cell phone right now. Yeah. And you're driving a freaking Porsche. What the hell? And, and so yes. I remember thinking, having a mindset larry of of like i'm never gonna make it because i don't already have the money these people already have money so of course they can invest in hotels and and apartment complexes and all of this but i'm never gonna make it because i don't have that yeah talk about that a little bit because i know you started with nothing like you started with nothing nothing Yeah. yeah yeah well this is one of those things where you hear about people being functional addicts yeah. Right. That on the outside, you have no idea what's going on. Right. Right. We present a really good face, but behind the scenes, not that I did this, but you hear stories of them beating their kids and, right. you know, cheating on their spouses and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because they're trying to fill this, what they call this God shaped hole yep. that we have. And so yep. we're trying to fill it with sex and drugs and alcohol and money and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yep. Ugh. I get the heebie-jeebies <laughs> thinking about it uh, <laughs> anymore, right? Yeah. Um, but I was lucky enough to get a, a sponsor early on, um, and he'd been sober from a bunch of different things for uh, over 20 years at that point. Wow. And he was an artist, and he'd had it all. He worked in Hollywood, and so, you know, he had all that stuff that you were talking about. Yeah. You know, and he saw how empty it was, and so he was always willing to – you know, grab me by the shoulders and say, you need to snap out of it. It's not all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. That person you see driving down the road in their convertible Porsche may be looking for a concrete embankment to drive that damn thing into. Amen. It happens all the time. And you, you've heard this before, but uh, one of the mantras in, you know, the program is don't judge your insides by everyone else's outsides. Amen. We do not know what's going on in other people's lives. That's right. Right. Um, because think about ourselves. We always wear this mask. Hey, Ken, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, good. You're fine. I'm fine too. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Let's not go any deeper than that. Right. right? Um, but you take, you remove that mask and it is ugly. Yes. You know, yeah. What's, what's really going on uh, behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. And so we just have to look, let's worry about our own life. Not even worry. Let's just work on our own lives right there are a lot of people you and i know a lot of the same people right and um i know some i know some i've been in meetings with with some celebrity types that fit the description you're talking about and they are is effed up is the person who can barely pay their rent or more or more yeah So don't be fooled by everyone else's outsides. And I know it's hard to do, but Larry, you don't understand. I see these people with their boats. I mean, kind of, I live in Orange County for crying out loud. (laughs) It's hard to drive around here with people with their boats and their mansions and all that, that kind of stuff, you know? Right. Um, In your Toyota Camry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
but here, here's the thing, you know, are you, are you happy? Are you finding joy each day? You know, do you have a sense of integrity that, you know, you didn't screw over your bride today, just today. I didn't act out today. Yeah. You know, and whatever that is, whatever that acting out is in your life, losing your temper, you know, um, whatever it is, you know, um, it, life is a struggle. No, here's the thing. We got so, we've been lied to for so long that life is easy. Life should be easy. Life shouldn't be easy. Life is a struggle. It is. The Stoics talk about this over and over and over again. Growth comes from the struggle. Yeah. Right now, I think about going to the gym. You don't get leaner. You don't get more muscles by going in and just walking around the equipment. You got to get under the weight and move the weight. That's right? what I've hurt. been doing wrong. Damn it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. The whole manifesting only goes so far. Right. right? This, this is one of the things. I mean, I know you, I've heard people on your show talk about this before, but maybe somebody's not heard this before, but that is one of the big problems with the whole <laughs> secret movement. Yeah. Right. It's more, it's, it's much more than just manifesting. You've it got is. to take action and go through the struggle. Yeah. Life, life's not fair. My friends. It's not however you define fair. Again, we don't have the true story of everyone else's lives. Mm-mm. Right. This is what I do love about what you're doing, Ken, and what a lot of people are doing. They're doing these long form interviews, right? Yeah. So that's not just a sound bite right. that's going out. You can actually get into people's stories and recognize men. Before I started talking about this kind of stuff personally and the challenges, and you know some of the challenges I've been through, particularly recently, crying out loud, yeah. people would look at Larry, his online profile, and say, that guy's got it all together. Yeah, look how you lucky know? he is. Yeah, look how lucky he is. Boy, yeah. he must have blank, 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 and blank. Yeah. But when you pull back the curtain, it's ugly behind there. It's ugly. But that doesn't mean I give up. Right. I always try to remember who do I aspire to be? Right. Where is my fullest potential? And can I get a little bit closer? This is one of the things I loved. I mean, I, you know, I love my my brother. I think he's one of my freaking heroes. Um, and if folks haven't watched that interview, they should go watch that interview that you did with him. Very um, amazing. What I loved is that he pivoted. There's a couple of things I love about him. One of the things is he pivoted to chase his passion, quote unquote, later in life, right? This yeah. guy, guy could have retired in the doing great things in the medical arena and really highly intelligent guy, right? Yeah. But it, it was sucking his lifeblood, right? And so he went back to his pursuit of martial arts and he has killed it there doing great things there now that scared his former spouse and friends and people were telling him, what what are you doing right yeah. so that's one thing the other thing is this i remember being at a um i took my son back to uh, this is years ago to when, when i was visiting him back in new york we went to one of his uh martial arts classes and i remember him telling talking to his students to talk by talking about I just need you to perform 1% better today than you did yesterday. Not 10%, not 50%, just 1% each day. Strive to be 1% better each day. Darren Hardy calls this the compound effect, right? Yep. Over a year, what kind of improvement does that result in? The challenge is, Ken, is that we think we need to have transformation overnight. Yes. And then we get frustrated because we don't see... Oh my gosh, I'm 25% body fat now and I'm not at 12 next week. Well, why even do it? Right. It's the struggle that's going to get you there and you feel better about yourself. 
We see I, this all the time when people are given money, right? Or you're given, you give a free whatever to somebody. They don't put the same value in it, hence in themselves, yeah. as they do for things that they fought for, that they struggled for. Yeah. Think about in the Green Berets. If you just went through and I took that ASVAB and they just started handing out Green Berets to the people that, <laughs> that they thought might do really well, what happens when the going gets really tough if people have not been tested? Right. You have no re, no resource, no experience to tap into. Say, hey, I've done that before. That was pretty damn hard. I think I've got it in me to do something more difficult going yeah. forward. It, it and it's the it's the. I I think what people also don't realize, and mm -hmm. and I I think you'll you'll agree. Um, you know, you say one percent a day. I see I'm I'm a I'm I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an uh recovered alcoholic and I'm I'm I want what I want and I want it right now. Like I don't have patience. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate. I do. But but the 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 thing about the 1% that people don't get is there comes the tipping point. Mm -hmm. There comes this place where now it's no longer 1% a day because all of a right. sudden you get into the momentum effect. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. and for those who have not read the tipping point, it's a great, easy read book. You should do it. Yeah. It's on one of my, you know, 101 or five books to, to read. You're right. right. So it's 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%. Now all of a sudden you walk into the gym one day and you realize I feel strong. <laughs> Boom. It's like a hockey <laughs> right. stick. Right. 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 It happens. It happens. It does but happen. But if you think you're going to go from up. here to there overnight, it's just very unlikely to happen. Does it happen from time to time? Do people go from rags to riches from time to time? Yes. But those are the exceptions and not the rules. Amen. Amen. So talk about, um, I cannot believe we've already been on here for 50 minutes, dude. Um, longer if you want. That's crazy. Yeah. We can go. Uh, it's the internet and my show and we can go all night. I don't, well, I've got a, 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 a yeah, in 30 minutes or so, right. but, but the, the, so, so talk about the, so you got into the hotel industry 21 years ago and no. you said 30 some years ago, 35 uh, years ago, got into the hotel. Uh, industry. I started my own company 21 ish years yeah, ago. Yes. Right. That's yeah. what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so you started your own company mm -hmm. and um, that's when you became extremely wealthy and famous and <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes. Okay. Go ahead. I get your point. <clears throat> that's a joke. Um, how did things go from there? Where did, where did life go? And that's where you said you met your, your ex spouse. Yeah. So I met my former spouse in San Francisco though, while I was still working at my other company. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, we had two kids. Um, and, um, so where did things go? Well, you'd mentioned, I mean, there was for a while there, a good amount of celebrity. I was doing a lot of TV for a while. Like I was on MSNBC at least once a month. For a while, I was doing, you know, Fox and CNN and yeah. um, CNBC and Travel Channel and I don't know, wow. it, like like real gigs, not the gigs where you see some of these people pay to be on. I mean, these were like, this you can go do an internet search. A lot of articles were being written, and um, and so there was some celebrity that 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 went with that. Right. Um, I remember dating a woman once, um, and. Um, 
we were heading to, I forget where we were heading to. Um, I was going to speak at an event and we had a, there was bad weather in Dallas, as it turns out. So we had to spend the night in Dallas. And so we were walking through the hotel and like uh, one of the episodes of Hotel Impossible had just aired and I was on MSNBC that weekend, um, the same weekend. And somebody like two people in the hotel had stopped us as we were walking across the lobby. And she looked, we hadn't been dating for very long. She goes, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) You Talk about this stuff. So that was kind of like one of my, one of my few moments of like, Oh my gosh, maybe my brand is actually growing. Yeah. Um, But honestly, um, it was a roller coaster, Ken. You know, yeah. there was times where I've made a lot of money. There's times where I've lost a lot of money. Um, in the old days, I was not a good communicator. Honestly, when I was married, uh, I've learned a lot of lessons uh, since then. And people will sometimes ask, well, what was the, you know, turning point in your life? What's, you know, and I'm just, it was my divorce, you know, because mm. I realized to me that was a failure on right. so mm. many levels, you know. Um, because, um, I just wasn't communicating with her. I was, I felt like I was, as Jeff had pointed out earlier, um, I wasn't doing the hard, right. The hard, right. Would have been to sit down, have conversations with her about the pain I was having, the struggles I was having that, um, I don't know what inferiority complex I was having. Um, and by, by the way, my, uh, first sponsor told me, said, Larry, you're an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. <laughs> I love that. I've heard that too. That's right. I know I've shared that with folks before. I love but, that. Yeah. But it's, so what does it mean to be an egomaniac with an inferiority complex? <laughs> well, I oftentimes say, like, I can do anything. Like, oftentimes I see opportunity where other people just see tragic, you know, stuff, yeah. right? Um, somebody tells me I can't do it. That drives me while well, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, I wrestle with, am I good enough? You know, are people going to see through me? You know, is my, uh, is my, um, I don't know, imposter syndrome showing, you know, that, that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't think that that's uncommon with high achievers. I think most high achievers are constantly looking over their shoulder. Are they catching up with me? Right. You know, right. If I sleep for six hours or eight hours tonight, does that mean that somebody's got, you know, the leg up on me because I only slept five hours yeah. last night. Yeah. You know, I'm so, the, so there is yeah. that. So there's the constant um, public persona of success. And then the having terrible time with relationships, you know, yeah. if I'm being totally transparent, I think one of the biggest, most disappointing times I've ever had in my life. When I reflect back, I'm just, I'm just going to let it all hang out. Ken, was I remember during a rage one time because I used to have a really bad temper because I was angry. I, I had a lot of woundings that I hadn't dealt with, right? Yeah. And my daughter was just young. I don't know, not even in kindergarten yet. And I remember standing in our living room, yelling at her over something and looking down at her and she's looking up at me and just these big crocodile tears coming down her face. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. I had not a body experience where I was standing over next to my wife. My wife's eyes were big. And I thought, who the hell have you become? Who have you become? Um, and it broke my heart. And I said, I have to change. I can't be this person anymore. Wow. And um, and so that was kind of one of the big beginnings. And I've never hit my children. Um, right. And my daughter's, the relationship I have with my daughter now is like, I could not 
imagine life without her. Um, she just called me while we were on the phone here. And generally, I take the call no matter what. Um, but she, um, we ha we're super tight. Like, I know a lot about what's going on in her life that other people don't. She comes with, comes to me. Like, we're, we're so aligned when it comes to spirituality and our outlook on life and, and that kind of thing. That I, I just feel very, very blessed that that relationship is stronger than it has, has ever been. But I had, had I not had the divorce, had I not been able to have that out-of-body experience of me looking at myself as someone else saw me, yeah. who knows what monster I would be today? Yeah. Who knows if I'd even be alive today? But it, know, I mean, it breaks my heart to tell that story, but I tell that story. Yeah. I'll bet you other people have gone through it, but I tell it to remind myself that is not who I want to be. And sometimes right. you need to say things publicly for accountability. I mean, I think that, um, you know, my um, my second sponsor in recovery said to me one time, because I, I, I was constantly um, in judgment of myself. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I, I'm really good at cutting myself down to other yeah. people. Yeah. And he said, I won't use the F word that he used, but um, he said, put the F and ball bat down and quit beating the shit out of yourself. You're human. Stop expecting yeah. yourself to be so damn perfect, which is part of that egomaniac with the inferiority complex thing. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been told the same exact thing, by the mm -hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. So but there are some of these some of these sayings <laughs> stay in the recovery community because they're yeah. so powerful. They are. Right? Yeah. People don't even know. Yeah. Well, similarly, I had uh, the same guy. I ended up calling him my spiritual mentor because yeah. we, we moved from being a sponsor to friends and a spiritual yeah. mentor yeah. for yeah. me. I was having a difficult time one time. He said, well, why aren't you reaching out to your friends? Why aren't you reaching out to, to people for help? Um, and I, they don't want to hear from me. And he said, and we talked about, well, because then they're going to look at me differently. If they really know me, then they're not going to like me. Yeah. And he said to me, who do you think you are that yeah. you're so very perfect <laughs> and everyone else is so very broken? <laughs> you got to take those glasses off, dude. Um, oh. This is what I love about sponsors. And now I call them accountability partners, right? Yeah, right. Wasn't it great? Where would your life be, Ken, without somebody speaking truth into your life? It's the truth, man. One of my things is like reality is your friend. Who is speaking reality into your life yeah, right now? That's right. Reality so is your true. friend. We may not like it, but yeah. it's powerful. Well, you can't, it's, 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 it's I, I, you know, you can't reflect on how life is going without some sort of pushback, resist, like, you know, otherwise it's like all rainbows and unicorns. It's well, like, life's not yeah. rainbows and unicorns. No. And sometimes the question is, what happens when the storm is right above you? Thunder is clapping. Lightning is striking. Yeah. There's a great story that I heard a hundred years ago about the difference between buffaloes and cows out on the prairie, right? Um, buffaloes are these big, powerful beasts, right? If you ever seen mm -hmm. a herd of buffalo run, I forget how fast they go, but they run fast for as, as big as they are. Yeah. When they look out, when buffalo see out on the, the prairies, the storm coming, do you know what they do? They turn towards the storm and they run through it. 
Why do they do that? Because if they weren't running one direction and the storm is going the other direction, they know they're going to get through the storm faster. Cows are less, they're more timid. So what do they do? They try to run the other way. And so what happens is they run, the storm clouds stay over top of them and they're in the storm much longer, right? Wow. And so I'm going to go to a spot here, Ken, that wow. I might get emotional on. But I remember my son was killed in a car accident earlier this year yeah. and um, in, in January. And I think that Craig, who is a friend of ours, was having an event um, in February that I was playing. I think it was February. I was planning. It on, was on February. Yeah. And, um, and then I was like, and Craig was like one of the first guys to call and, and, um, to say, gosh, I'm so sorry, brother. You know, if there's anything I can do. And, um, then we had announced that we we're going to, going to be doing this fundraiser for the Aspire program, um, which was a program that he had graduated uh, from that, uh, it's a psychological, um, mental health program, um, that helps kids just with. We're struggling with anxiety and depression and those kind of things. And by the way, I need to say, because it's going to come up and people put this on social media, my son did not kill himself. It was absolutely an accident in, in his yeah. car. Because yeah. when I start talking about this mental health stuff, people make this crazy Try leap. to make right? a connection that's not there. Is, there. there is no yeah. connection. Right, there. right. Um, and if somebody wants to talk about it offline and how do I know this, I can share it with you. But we don't have time for that. But um, Craig and I then spoke a couple weeks later and he said, I know you don't have it in you, but why don't you just try to come to the event instead of doing a keynote or something like that, or doing a training like you normally do, just come and come on stage with me and let's just talk. Let's just talk. And that was that Buffalo moment for me. I knew I needed to be the Buffalo mm. because I needed to push through that storm because I knew in my heart when I took my own selfishness out of it, that there was going to be somebody in that damn audience who needed to hear that you have to keep putting one dusty, bloody boot in front of the other to deal with life. Mm. I could have curled up in the fetal position for a year, for years. Yeah, I still want to do that on on, on, on some days, right? Yeah. But um, we've got to put one dusty, bloody boot in front of the other. I'm going to mix metaphors here for a second. You got to be the buffalo and run through the storm clouds yeah. um, to deal with life. Um, because you never know who's watching. It's one of that, let that sit for a second. You never know who's watching you. I've had so many people come up to me after that event, after the event where I just saw you in, in LA uh, again, again, recently yeah. come up to me yeah. and, and, and have remarkable stories about how they have been living in fear because they didn't have the courage to fight through what was, what they were facing. Right. And I'm just going to tell you, courage changes everything. How would your life be different, Ken, if you tapped into that courage reserve that you had to have the difficult conversation with a business partner yeah. or with your spouse, you yeah. know, yeah, courage changes everything. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things when I talk about leadership, because I do a lot of talks and writing on leadership stuff, I realize it's, it's not necessarily a leadership gap that we've got or a finance gap or a marketing gap. Really, there's a courage gap. Yeah, that we have uh, in, in our country right now, dude. It's so true, and and I gotta say, I was at that February event. That's where you and I met for the first time, and um, man, I um, it touched me in the deepest part of my soul 
mm-hmm. that day. And um, the strength, although you probably didn't feel it, but the strength that you displayed while you were sitting up there talking, it was literally three weeks after your son's passing. That's right. And um, I, I um, in a completely heterosexual way, <laughs> I fell in love with your energy, mm. man. I just, mm. I loved you in that moment. I was sitting next to Mel and she knows you really well. And she's yeah. talking about how amazing you were. And, mm. and uh, you know, before you even got up there and um, dude, I don't know um, the purpose of that and i'm sure you question it every Mm -hmm. day of your life um but man god god has if you believe in god god has a a big plan for you i truly believe that because you Hmm. you're just a badass man and (laughs) and and i i mean you are and and I, I just, I have, I admire you and respect you for, for everything you're, you're, and I, again, I'm very sorry for, for the loss of your son. Yeah. Well, the only way I can deal with it, Ken, is getting my brain around that he served a bigger purpose than I did. I'm one of these folks, weirdos that think that our kids choose who we are. I mean, yeah. choose, choose their parents, right? I, I um, agree. On my, um, my, we did a celebration of life ceremony uh, for him and it's on YouTube. If somebody wants to go look at it, if you want to s- see, are you making an impact on the world? Go watch this thing. It's, I think it's just called Benjamin Broughton or Ben Broughton celebration of life service. Um, um, ask yourself, did I make, am I making the same impact that the 17 year old made? Mm-hmm. All right. Because he had about 13 of his friends get up on stage and talk about the positive impact that he made in their lives. He had teachers, he had mentors, he had adults getting up there, getting up there and saying, what an amazing impact, how wise this kid was beyond his wow. years, wow. right? Um, because sometimes you wonder, Ken, if you've got children, are the messages I'm trying to teach my children getting through to them? <laughs> and I remember just a few days prior to this, I was like, who is this kid going to grow up to be? You know, because my thing is, I believe in epigenetics. It's not that I believe yeah. it. It's, it's facts. Okay. It's right. science. Right out loud. Right. Um, I believe but, in gravity. <laughs> yes, me too. Yes. Um, but I know that there are multi-generational curses that some families get. Some people yeah. call this epigenetics or whatever. Right. And I knew that the, if I wanted to change the curse of, some of the stuff in my family, it had to start with me yeah. and that my son's life was going to be a little bit better than my life was and his ch- children's life was going to be a little bit better than, than theirs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so we, we, Ben and I had just had that conversation a week before. And then I was just thinking a couple of days prior to this, are these messages really getting through? And then when we were, I was mm. sitting there and these 13 friends are up there and talking about Ben is the one that taught them how to shake someone's hand. Ben is the one who is the first kid to welcome a new student to the class. Wow. Right. Ben is, and these were lessons I was always teaching him. And in fact, I spoke first at the ceremony and I listed a bunch of the things, right. And then these kids get up there and confirmed, yeah, this is who Ben was. This is what he did. Right. I can tell you this at 17, you couldn't have gotten 13 of 
I don't think I had 13 friends, but I don't think you could have gotten 13 peers on a stage to speak about the impact I had on their lives. I know you certainly you wouldn't have gotten a bunch of adults right. up there to talk wow. about it. So there's a book called Illusions by Richard Bach, um, same guy who wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And there's a great quote in there that says, if you wonder whether your mission on life is complete, if you're alive, it's not. Yeah. So get your brain around that. If you're wondering if your mission in life is complete, if you're alive, it's not. I choose to believe that Ben's mission in life was complete. He served his purpose. He's now on the other side, happy, recharging, getting his juices flowing again. And I'll come back and make other, other people lives happy. And yes, Craig does well. Rubber ducky lives. Tell yes. this, tell the rubber duckies. And do you have one with you? You have to. Um, I know you do. I don't have one right here at my oh. desk, I don't think. But if okay. you go downstairs, they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, so Ben was a practical joker and he was just a goofball. Um, and actually, I've got one in my briefcase uh, down here. Um, well, and, go ahead uh, and grab it. I'm, we, this, you know, we're very improper and yeah. unprofessional here on the breakthrough <laughs> walls. <laughs> well, um, and so I, I just, I love this. So um, he was really into music and um, I don't think we can see this. So this is a yeah, rubber ducky yeah, with headphones. Let me, let me give you full screen. It. Okay. There, there you go. go. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so rubber duckies. So he's one of these kids who would, you know, he'd wear an adult, I mean, 17, 16 year old, he'd wear onesies to a party, you know, these one pieces that had rubber ducks on them when everyone else was just dressed normally. He was always trying to just crack jokes, have fun with people. Um, And um, he was just a good, good kid. So he had this grand scheme that at summer camp uh, last year, um, called Camp Hume where they would go and there was a, a, a lake or a pond on there. He ordered like a thousand rubber ducks with the intention that at night he was going to sneak out with these thousand rubber ducks and put them in the pond um, so that when everybody got up the next morning, they're like, where did all these rubber ducks come from? Right. <laughs> but he had collections of rubber ducks, you know, on the shelves in his room. He had a bunch of different rubber ducks. Um, rubber ducks are part of my company. Um, we had this thing called James Pond. That's what we named a rubber duck after James Bond. And like, where is James Pond? It was a rubber duck. And like, we'd have pictures all over the, the place um, wow. with him. And he um, just loved rubber ducks. And so if you go to the crash site where this happened, guarantee you there are probably a half dozen rubber ducks right there right now that people have left behind. You go to his grave site. Um, I was just there yesterday and there were, there were, I don't know, probably a dozen little rubber ducks <laughs> there that wow. people that people have left. It's kind of his trademark. So there are people that are walking. I think Craig's got one. There are people, yeah. uh, Dan Spangler, who's a buddy of mine, who I think you might know. I know. He sent Dan me a picture the other well. day. He Love was at um, um, he was at um, a Boston Celtics. He was in Boston somewhere, and he took a picture of rubber duck while he was in Boston. Again, when I was seventeen, this legacy thing wouldn't have happened. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I call us a talisman. Right. So I oftentimes walk around like I reach into my pocket and like, what what do I have in my life to remind me of what my mission in life is? And generally, there's two things I, I carry around in my pocket. One is my special force, forces coin that reminds me of my heritage. Where did I come from? And the other is this pewter globe 
that I carry around uh, at the same time says, okay, here's what my mission in life is to impact the globe through entrepreneurship and leadership. And now the rubber duck. And so Ben's kind of impact. Yeah. Craig said he's got a, the, the duck on his desk. So, um, does, so does Jeff. So does Jeff. I, I, yeah. I, I need a rubber duck. I want I'll, send, rubber I'll, duck. I'll, I'll send you one. Um, and um, it's just a great reminder of to find joy in life, right? Be yeah. irreverent, be fun. Kids got up there on that stage and talked about how he went to this one friend's house. They lived in this gated community and it's a walled place. And he jumped the fences and went through the back door of this kid's house and kept putting his face up to the door. I mean, he's just a silly, irreverent kid, yeah. right? Not kid, young man. Yeah. And, um, but he found joy in just about everything that, that, that he did. Yeah. What are we doing for that? What's your talisman? What are you touching in your life? What are you looking at that reminds you of who you aspire to become? It's an important question. I don't think a lot of us take time to, to reflect on that, Ken. I, I totally agree, man. And I, you know, I have zero intention. Just I'll say this publicly. I have zero intention of ever growing up. I'm good. <laughs> It feels like a trap, man. I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, I, I truly believe that we're all um, eight year olds trapped in these aging bodies that our soul doesn't really age, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, I think yeah. we gain wisdom, but that comes through pain. It so, does. Yes. Yeah. An experience for sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, from your lips to God's ears that I remain the same. Um, yeah. is that right? Yeah. If we think about when are we finding the most joy in our life or when are we laughing? Like how many times a day are you laughing? Oftentimes it's the silliness yeah. of life, right? That, that gets us laughing. Like when we were, when we were eight, I remember, so, uh, my office, my home office is upstairs down the hall yeah. is was my son's room and you would come up the stairs and his room was off to the, to the right. And I remember coming up those stairs and oftentimes just hearing him laughing with his friends in his yeah. room about the silliest of things, you know, yeah. and they were laughing so much. Or sometimes I'd go down and like peek my head in. It's like, what are you guys laughing at? Right. And it's just silly goofball stuff, Yeah, you know? And it breaks my heart that some of his most loved family members didn't see the side of him very often, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah. But, I, but anyway, um, I've probably gone down that path further than you wanted to go. Well, but. no, man, I, I have no want in, in this, man. I want I, If I have a want, it's I, I want um, you to express yourself. Mm, and, thank you. And so, um, <clears throat> but I am running out of time here. Yeah. And, and um, Larry, I, I'm first off, Craig, I believe, is still watching. And I got to say thank you to Craig, because if it weren't for Craig, I would have never met you. Well, you and I, I think I'd seen some of my friends, some of the quote unquote celebrity friends on your show before you and I ever met in person. Okay. Right. And wow. so I'd, I'd follow you. You never know who's watching. Exactly. You never know who watched. Although I do, <laughs> one of the times that Glenn Morshower was on, I'd got on okay. to do a shout out to him. And he said, oh, Ken, you need to meet Larry. Larry's a former Navy SEAL. Uh, I was like, whoa. 
We eat Navy SEALs for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't tell Jay Redman that. <laughs> and Jay's a great friend, too. What a yeah. nice... I have told him that, by the way. <laughs> I love Jay. He's he's a, There's a somebody nice... who's been through some pain. Well, here's the thing. I Very quickly. I think yeah. that people get confused about these warriors, and they think that they're just going to go in and step on, you know, crush skulls under the boot and that kind of thing. I can no. tell you, given the number of years that I was in the special operations community and all of the warriors that I've known since for a lot longer than the time that I was in people like Jay Redman, like Alden Mills, um, like Larry Yatch, some of these people, you can Google these names um, that are dear friends um, or friends or great associates. These are the biggest swinging blanks that you will ever meet that most badass mofos to walk the planet. Yep. And here's the funny thing. They're also the most caring and deeply loving and compassionate people you'll ever meet. So you don't volunteer because we're not going to have a draft anymore. You don't volunteer to go do the things that they and we have done. Right. Without loving somebody, loving your country, loving Mm -hmm. our way of life, loving our family, loving the brother and sister that's to our right and left. You don't do that out of hate. Hateful people don't sacrifice like this. You do that from love. And so if I can get people to understand that. Wow. Love first. How about that? That, There's a message to wrap up the day, the day after election day. So true, man. So true. So true. Wow. Larry, you, my friend, are amazing. I, you are too. I don't. I, I don't know. We got to. I, I just feel like we got to do this again sometime. Do it again. You'll. You'll. I just. You're amazing. And and I. Um. I would. I don't know if this exists, but I'm. I'm just going to throw this out there to you, man. Um. You know. I've been in technology for 28 plus years and marketing and all of that. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to, I want to just throw this out. It may already exist, but I would like to, um, help you by donating a, um, us doing some sort of a website to honor and, uh, memorialize your son and all mm. of the things and put that video on there. So people don't have to I look it. for it. And, um, so you and I'll talk about that, but I'd Take love to on do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I'll, I'll, um, I'll do that for you. And, and, um, man, you're, you're amazing. I, I, I just freaking, I love you, dude. I think you're amazing. And, and, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing and being the badass that you are, man. <laughs> thank you, Ken. I love you. And yeah. love a lot, all these folks that are on here that are expressing their love. Thank you. Um, it's been it's an honor to go through life with you guys. It's it's incredible. So everybody share this out. Even if you already shared it, share it again um, from a place of love. So Larry, thank you. Hang on, hang tight with me. And um, everybody, we will see you later. And uh, make sure you follow Larry. Oh, dude, I had your, I didn't even, there, there. I'm a little late with that, but there's his website. <laughs> Jeez. It's it's my only my second time doing this. I'm trying to work We out said that, things. yeah. I should have lowered my expectations. <laughs> what the hell? Oh my god. All right, Larry, thank you, man. And we'll see you guys later. Have a great day.